0: How's everybody doing? I'm so glad you're here today. For those of you who are relatively new to the bridge, I'm Pastor Ryan. I'm the lead pastor here at the Bridge Goldsboro. I'm very glad you're here today. Um, I, I want to tell you just a, something that happened to me this week, uh, kind of quickly. But I, I saw this Father's Day shirt. And this is the great thing about now in the year is that all the Father's Day stuffs on sale. So if any of you want to get Father's Day gifts uh, for your dad, get it now. It's actually really good, good prices. So I'm by myself, and I see this Father's Day shirt. And I'm like, this is really cool. It says Rad Dad right here. And uh, I thought, well, this is weird if I get it for myself. So <laughs> I texted it to my teenage son, a picture of it. And I said, hey, man, I said, you should uh, really think about this, hint, hint, you know. And um, the, the great thing about having teenagers, and, and I love them, they're all good kids, but I never know what they're going to say or do. <laughs> so I get this text message back from him, and I really didn't know how to decipher it, so I, I wanted to show it to you. But this is, this is what he sends me back, exactly how, how he wrote it. You going to have to do that yourself, homie. <laughs> and I, I said, there's so much to, to address here. I didn't know kind of exactly how to do it. So uh, I thought, okay, so I actually sent him this back. So this is, this is the message that I sent him back. And you're going to have to learn how to spell. <laughs> Wait for it, homie. <laughs> so, I don't know who it was. But somebody along the way told him that that was an appropriate way to send a text message. Well, they lied, right? And he believed it. And I need some parents in here to say amen to that. Yeah, come on. If you're going to send a text message, I don't care. Learn how to spell. Learn how to do appropriate grammar. But the the fact is, is in our lives, there are lies that we believe. And that's what this series, Fake News, is about. It's about lies that we, we believe because we've heard them so much. Maybe they're sayings or there are things that our society has said, you know what, we should really accept this as truth. But the fact is, is that a lot of it, all of it, is, is rooted in the Word of God. None of it is. It, it's not rooted in God's Word. And if we are going to have a, kind of a, a lie detector to be able to detect what's real, what's not, how, how do I go through life, what do I believe, what do I actually apply myself to, we have to really understand what truth is. And the way to do that is to take the Word of God and use it as a template over worldviews. What I mean by that is we gotta have a biblical worldview when it comes to these things. And the reason why we have to have the word of God is because the Bible is the supreme truth. It's the origin of supreme truth. And in order to be able to see a lie, we have to know the we gotta know the truth. And the Bible is the truth, and so we we have to be able to do that. Um, do you, do you know what I've I've come to know about, about lies? Is they're not true. <laughs> And the lie we're going to talk about today is is that time heals all wounds, and that sounds good, and we wish it were true, but in fact it's not. You know what I've I've come to learn about wounds it, is that they're very painful, and wounds are painful, and we run from pain. Now I have a bag of of uh, garden soil here, and this is just going to represent our life. It's it's life. It's put together. It's packaged. It's all kind of nice and neat inside of here. Uh, But what happens is, is we get wounded in life. And the way I'm going to demonstrate this is I'm going to take my bridge issued pocket knife uh, that we all got on Father's Day. um, And and what I'm going to do is just show you what a wound looks like. And this is what happens whenever we get wounded. Something happens in our life and it just kind of, it splits us wide open and our insides fall out. It hurts, it's painful, what used to be all packed nice and neat and what we used to call a life now looks kind of shattered and broken, and we got this gaping hole inside of us. Maybe it's somebody that, that left you, and you didn't ask for it, but it happened, and what used to be uh, packaged well, really nicely in your life, now you got a gaping hole there. Maybe it's somebody that said something bad about you behind your back, somebody you thought would never say something like that, but they did, and, and it split you wide open, maybe in the back and now what used to feel secure now is not, and it's, it's laying on the ground. Maybe, maybe somebody died that you loved too early, and you never thought you would have to live life without them, or at least not this soon, and now all of a sudden you're, you're left with a gaping hole in, in your life, and, and what used to look like a life is now shattered on the floor of your heart, and these are the pieces of it. It's messy. It hurts. It's what a wound looks like. And the fact is, is that nobody likes this. Nobody wants to deal with this. In fact, if if one of your kids were to do this in your garage, you'd be pretty upset. (laughs) Some of you are nodding your head and laughing because it's actually happened to you. And you're like, what are you doing? You know, nobody wants to deal with this. And in fact, we would rather just ignore that when it happens. We don't want to have to clean this up. And what I've learned about pain is that we run from it. Pain happens in our life, and we run from it. We would never run to pain. We're wired to run away from it. Very simply, if you you touch a hot stove, what's the first thing you're going to do? You're going to rip your hand backwards because it hurts. We want to get away from pain. So if somebody hurt you in life and you see them in the grocery store, what do you do? Oh, I'm so glad I saw them. Let me go over here and see how they're doing. No, you run the other way. You you, you get away from them. Don't we do that? We don't want to talk to them. We hope we don't have to see them. We, we dread the opportunities that we may or may not have to run into them because we run from pain. During our day, when thoughts of the, of the painful situation come into our minds, we, we get anxiety, we start sweating, depending on how bad it is, and we immediately try to do something different. Watch yourself. You, you'll, you'll start doing stuff you don't even mean to do, things that don't make any sense, just to get away from the thoughts of having to deal with, with the pain. And you know, does that sound familiar in, in your life when it comes to pain? Wounds produce pain, and we are wired by nature to run the other way from it. We do. We have a self-protection mechanism in walls that we built up. And, and, And what we think is, is if enough time goes by, then this will get better or enough time goes by, this, this will somehow heal itself. I don't know how, but I'm, I'm going to do it. Probably the most damaging thing we can do as Christians is say, God, we want you to heal this, and we know you're going to do it in your timing, and we stand over here and say, God, I'm just trusting you with that. But in the meantime, we ignore it. And. So time goes by, and what we do is we ignore it, and if if we have to think about it or we see somebody, we do something to deaden it. We don't want to deal with that. So we jump into things like, like getting high or getting drunk, and maybe not everybody in the room does that, but I'm sure if I'm just being very real with you, it becomes a viable option if the pain gets bad enough. I'm not saying it's good. I'm saying it's unhealthy, but it's something that we'll run to to deaden the pain. Some people turn to a relationship or, or sex or things that validate us because there, there's a pain. And what we're doing when we do these things is we're, we're actually trying to, to cover up a place it right here, but really it's just making it worse. It's falling out. And it might seem like we're covering it up pretty good, but in, in the meantime, stuff is just falling out. And, and really what we're trying to do is we're trying to fix a, a very uh, eternal problem with a temporary solution. <laughs> And so we we try to mask it. We try to run from it. And we easily believe that enough time goes by that I'll get better. Let me tell you something. The fact is, is time does not heal wounds. What time does, if we're not careful, is it gives us the opportunity to get really good at concealing that. And we put up walls, we put on smiles, we, we pretend like everything's okay, enough time goes by, we actually get good at it because I can live, I can, I can operate in my life in a way where nobody sees this. But on the inside, I look like this. Broken, spilled out, and undone. And, and I run from it. And I ask God, heal it. Heal it, God. And I'm over here going, God, you deal with that. I can't, I can't look at it, Lord, but I trust you. In the name of Jesus, <laughs> I want you to heal this but I want to go over here while you do it. And tomorrow I'm going to come back and I'm going to look at it again. And and maybe you'll heal it, God. Maybe you'll do something better with it. But we come back and and it still looks like this. Or maybe even it looks even worse because something happened and and it looks even worse. And we get mad at God. And as Christians, it's dangerous because then we start to either think that God doesn't exist or, or maybe God just doesn't care about me. He says, I don't know what I think about God. Maybe he's a good God, maybe he loves you, but he's not that way to me. And so I will worship God in these other areas of my life, but when it comes to my hurt, there's a big question mark about what God is or what God can actually do because my pain looks like that. And so that's, that's what we do, and, and we don't like it. And we, we, we can't imagine how God can do anything with our pain, but in fact, it's the pain that we have in our lives that God uses to take us on a journey to heal us. And we want to stay away from it. We want to stay over here. We're wired to run from the pain, not deal with it. We're wired to run from the people that hurt us. We're wired to run from the thoughts that gave us the pain. And and pain is the thing that God uses to actually take us on a journey to our healing, but we're too busy trying to avoid it. And we, we can't imagine how God does that. I mean, how, how can God use this mess to heal me? And you may be sitting here thinking, how, how can God use the pain of someone leaving me to, to somehow heal me? How, how can God take the pain of somebody dying, which by the way, God allowed, so it must be his fault. How can God take that pain and, and, and heal me with it? Why would God take the pain and use that as a mechanism for my healing. All the while, he, I know he has the power just to do it himself while I stay over here. He would be so much, much of a merciful God if he would do that. Listen, God's more interested in taking you through something and making you something than giving you something. He doesn't want to zap you with something. He wants to take you through a journey because he's more interested in the relationship than he is simply a gift. But the fact is he uses the pain to take you on a journey to healing. And very naturally, we're wired to run in the other direction of pain. We don't like to think this, but God doesn't create the pain, but he will use it to move you towards good things. Let me share just a few ways he does this. He wants to take the pain in your life, and he'll use it to motivate you. He will take the pain in your life and use it to motivate you. How, how, how many of you know that you probably won't go to the dentist until you start feeling pain in, in your tooth? That's when we go. I mean, we, we're not going to go before then, right? because it costs too much, or we don't have insurance, and it's, you know I'll wait till it gets bad before I go. Doctors actually say that pain is your body's last effort to get you to change your behavior, to do something different, and your body actually gives you all these different signs before the pain actually ensues to get you to change, um, but the fact is we ignore it because those things don't slow us down. Those things aren't strong enough to make us stop and consider, so pain is your body's last effort to say, hey, stop doing that, Stop doing it. Um, how many of you guys have been, gals, have been out in the yard this week and you're not as sprite as you used to be and you felt all these little twinges and then day three you're like, oh, I can't move. I should probably stop. You know, and, and you just lay on your back for three days when all the while your body's been telling you the whole time, they quit, right? But we keep going. And, and pain is, is our body's last ditch effort to tell us to change direction. God will take your pain to motivate you to change. In fact, the Bible says it like this. In Proverbs 20, 30, sometimes it takes a painful experience for us to change our ways. And maybe you made some decisions in life that were stupid, and you ignored all the warning signs along the way, all the ways God was telling you, hey, stop. Hey, stop doing this. But now the pain of your decisions, the consequences have kind of caught up with you and you're having to deal with that pain. And, and, and what we do typically is we run from that pain and we just kind of self-condemn. And, and we let guilt kind of be the determining, uh, the, the, the main thing that, that we put ourselves through. And, and God is not allowing the pain in your life for you to do that. God's allowing the pain in your life to, for you to see that there's a problem. It's an indicator that, hey, something needs to change here. But what I want you to do is, is take all this pain and I want you to come to me with it. I want you to take it all and put it at my feet. Or maybe you're sitting here and something was done to you. Whatever that pain looks like, whatever the magnitude was, somebody did something to you. Somebody stabbed you in the back. Somebody left you. Somebody did something to you that you had absolutely no control over. And what we want to do is we want to live our lives. We want to get to a place where we can survive, right? We want to put a patch over this so it seems like we can move on. And then we want to sit, and every time we think about that part of our lives, we want to play a victim. Well, they did that. They did that to me. You know, God is not allowing the pain in your life to be there so that you can stay and feel like a victim. God is allowing the pain in your life so that you can take it, use it as an indicator something needs to change, and he wants to motivate you to take every bit of this, every bit, and bring it to his feet. And that is where you start the journey of healing. Now, here's the problem with that, at least in our human minds, is when we do that, it doesn't mean we're healed. But it means that we've said, I'm bringing this to God, and he is going to lead me on a journey of healing. So if you've got pain, God's allowing it in your life to motivate you to do something different. And that different thing is he's motivating you to take this pain and not ignore it, not feel like a victim, but to take every bit of it and bring it at his feet and say, lead me. That's the first step. And then once you do that, he will use your pain to redirect you. He'll redirect your actions. There there is a path of healing that he wants to get you to. And your actions look really different on that path than they do if you're off of it. Whenever you're hurt and you're running from your pain, you do stupid things. You, you say things you don't mean. You do things that you can't take back, and hindsight's 20-20, and then you actually create more damage in your life than you did if you had just brought it to God to start with. It, being in pain is blinding, and we, we do things that we wish we could take back, but there is this path that God wants to lead you to, and, and the problem is, is our pain very naturally blinds us from that path. We can't see it. It takes going to God and having faith. Uh, interestingly, that there's a guy in the Bible who. who got on this path. He actually found it because he brought his pain to God. He got through that path. He got on the other side of it. He had some pretty interesting things to say. He wrote a couple of verses for you to talk to you today. And I just want to read this. It's in Psalm 119, uh, verse 71 and 72. Let's listen to it. It says, it was good for me to suffer. And we all say, well, I'm just going to quit listening right there because that sounds stupid, right? It is good for me to suffer. Listen, so I would learn your commands. And he's talking to God. Your teaching's are worth more than thousands of pieces of silver or gold. He's saying that whenever you're on this side of it and you're looking at it, it doesn't make any sense. He said, but it was good for me to suffer. Looking back, I, I don't ever want to go back to it, but having been through it, it was good for me. Man, I, I wouldn't have known you like i know known you now, God. I wouldn't have grown into the person that I am to be able to handle life like I am now had I not been down that path. And so I look back and I say, I hated the pain I was in, but it was good because you used it for something good. It was a path I never would have found, and it's worth more to me than millions. You couldn't pay me to stay off that path, to go back and and, and do it any different. God, I'm so thankful. Here's a guy who's obviously on the other side, but listen, he suffered. He says, it was good for me to suffer. He suffered. The difference is, is he brought his suffering before God, and he became something that he would have never become otherwise, something more valuable, and that's what God wants to do in you. The problem is, is there's a path that God has for us, but we have another path. <laughs> we, have, we have plans already. Before the hurt came along, we had things we were doing in life, right? And, and, and when we have pain like this, it's really hard to continue down that path when you look like this. Maybe you wanted to start a business venture, or you had plans for your kids, and, and, and you were whole at one point, point. you could walk that path pretty easy. But now it's really hard to walk this path when you've got all this stuff coming out of your life. It, it hurts, and it's, you're undone. And so what you do is you get very angry at the fact that you can't continue on the path that you went on whenever you look like this. It's hard. You've got to carry all this stuff. You could carry it just like this, but now it's all ripped open. And, and, and how are you going to do that? And so we start to say things like, well, I'm just worthless. I, I'm not like I used to be. Or, or we get angry and we say, well, if that person hadn't have done that, then I wouldn't be like this. But we're still walking our own path. And we, we, don't, we don't know how to fix it. And so we end up stalemating, getting angry and bitter. And we're still walking on our own path. Still trying to tape it up with things. Still trying to, to do certain things to heal that wound. All the while God's saying, I want you to come to me. And the hope is, is that eventually enough time will go by and it'll get better. But it never does. We still look like this. No matter how much we try to hide it, no matter how much we try to tell people we're okay, we know down deep, it's a lie, because we're not. We're still, we're still busted wide open. I, here's the question. If, if God wants to use your pain as an indicator to redirect you to him, but we're running from our pain, isn't, it, isn't ignoring this working against the will of God in our lives? I mean, if God is saying, I, I want to take this and use this to put you on a path, That'll eventually get to your healing and eventually put you in my will for your life and give you something great. Isn't running away from this or ignoring that it's there, staying over here, even asking God to heal it but never actually going to it, isn't that working against what God is trying to do in your life? Working against His will? I would even say it like this When you're being disobedient to the calling that God has on your life, isn't that the definition of a sin? Not trying to get all religious on you, but God's more concerned about your heart. Are you working against Him, or are you understanding that God actually wants to use this to better you? Some of you have lack in your life, and maybe it was caused by the thing that hurt you. But something in your life is missing now, and so you're stuck, and you're hurting, and you think that if you sit there long enough and pray that God bring that thing back, whatever it happens to be, um, that you'll be better. And, and you're staring at lack, and and you're sitting and you're getting mad at God because it's not there. And I, and I get it. When things first happen and you're hurt and, and things aren't the same as they used to be, I mean, you've got to work through those emotions. God understands that. But then there's a time where you've got to get up and you've got to say, God, I don't know how you're going to do it and I'm hurting, but you've got to move. You've got to let God push you and pull you, and you actually got to get up and move. And I just want to be bold enough to say that, that some of us in the room here need to stop, stop staring at what's not there anymore and get up and move. There was a guy named Elijah in the Old Testament of the Bible, godly leader. God used him in so many ways, very esteemed. Um, can't say enough about the guy. Some people in, in that era didn't like him at all. In fact, they didn't like what he was saying because they didn't serve God. Uh, two of these people, namely, were the king and the queen. Um, and back in those days, if they didn't like what you said, they just killed you, you know? And so that's what they decided to do with Elijah. And so they Elijah's got a bounty on his head. He runs for his life. Um, he was a hero at one point. Now he's running for his life, and, and he ends up in the wilderness, and he's in the wilderness. He's, he's emotionally in pain. He's physically in pain, um, and while he's there, God provides for him. Uh, there's a brook that runs by him, and so he's drinking out of that brook, and, and God's giving him food uh, by birds. They're coming daily and dropping food off. Sounds like a really weird poem, but God can do whatever he wants, so however he decides to provide, he provides, um, but his needs are being met, but he's still hurting. He's still hurting. Prior to this, he'd been a hero. People were praising, uh, you know, all the things that he did in the name of Jesus. And now he's got a bounty on his head and he's running for his life. How often do we, we believe the lie that because we're Christians and we're serving God, that everything's supposed to go Okay that everything's just supposed to somehow be okay. It's supposed to be easy. And, and we forget that we're here on earth and we're not in heaven. And earth is a place where people, there's, there's imperfections and there's imperfect people and we're not perfect. And, and we, we're wired to sin against God very humanly. And we, we forget that. And we think that it's supposed to be easy. And so Elijah's down at this brook. He's running for his life. And, and all of a sudden, uh, God wants him to move. But he doesn't move. And the reason is, is because he's got everything he needs right there. He's, he's settled into his hurt. But his needs are being met. And God wanted him to move, but he, he didn't tell him to move right away. The first thing the Bible says he did was he dried up the brook. He dried up his resources. How many of you feel like when you can't get any lower, whenever your hurt's like this and, and, and you don't feel like it can get any worse, the bottom falls out and it gets worse and the hole gets bigger and more falls out. And then what you thought you put together in and of yourself, it just gets worse and more falls on the floor of your heart. You thought you were making some headway, but you weren't. And that's what happened with Elijah. He A bounty on his head, he's getting fed, he's kind of okay. And then the brook dries up. God allowed lack in Elijah's life for a purpose. Luke, would you come up here for a second? I just kind of want to illustrate this, how it looks in our lives. So Elijah had, he had water at the brook and, and Luke's going to come up and kind of represent what we look like in life. And if you'll just hold that, this, this is what you look like whenever you're hurt and you're in pain and you're kind of dealing with it, but you're getting by. And we, you just smile for us, Luke. You know, he's smiling, and he's okay, and he's, he's got this water. He's got some provision. He's okay. And, and, and we, have, we, got, we get so accustomed to our pain that we can survive and put on a face, but we're walking around with pain in our life. And God's not just interested in leaving you there. Sometimes he wants you to move and press further into his healing. But if I were to tell Luke, I want you to move over here, he would say, you're nuts. I've got everything I need right here. But then God does something, and this is it hurts, and we can't understand it. He he takes sometimes the provision out of our hands, and the brook dries up, and we don't understand why. Now, if I want Luke to move from here to here, he's not going to move as long as he's holding that water. But if I take the water and I move it over here, what does Luke have to do now in order to get it? He's got to move over here in order to get what God has for him. And sometimes in life, God will remove things from your life that you never thought he would remove. You're already hurting. You're already in pain. But God wants to use your pain to redirect you. But as long as the provision is there, as long as something is in your life and you're not moving, sometimes God will get your attention by drying something up and moving it in order to get you to move. Now, he could stay there and be miserable, or he could move and get the blessing that God has for him. Thank you, Luke. And Elijah did. And so he dries the brook up and he tells Elijah to move. Elijah didn't even realize that there was a place called Zarephath that God wanted him to go to. And there was a family there who was going to receive this miracle from God. They were starving. It was a famine. And God was going to use Elijah to go there and provide this miracle far more abundantly than they ever thought or dreamed they could have. And Elijah would be blessed because of it. But he was satisfied down there by the brook being fed by ravens and drinking water out of a brook. I don't know where you're at in your hurt. I don't know what you've settled into. I don't know what you've believed about God when it comes to the hurt that you have in your life. But don't ever, ever, ever look at your pain or the lack in your life as a reason to get mad at God and think he's left you. It could very well be that he has dried up something in your life because he wants to use your pain to redirect you to a different place. It takes getting up. It takes looking at your pain, addressing it, bringing it to God, and getting on a path. God has an end in mind for you. He hasn't left you. And the thing is, is you can't see it from here. You can't understand it whenever whenever you're looking at your pain and it's falling out all over the place. You can't see the end result. All you see is your pain. And God is saying, I want to bring you to a place. You may think your pain is for nothing, but do not believe that. God wants to use your pain to redirect you and make your life significant again. How much faith are you going to say, I am going to give you, God? How much trust are you going to put in him to walk you through your pain? Not just so you can relive this, but so that you can walk through it to to a healing. I want you to look at this bag of soil right here. It's a mess, isn't it? And the fact is, is that if time healed wounds, then this would have healed itself in the last 24 minutes and 48 seconds that I've been talking. (laughs) But it doesn't. It doesn't heal it. Do you know whenever this thing gets cleaned up? when I do something with it. Some of you have believed the lie that time heals all wounds, and the fact is, is that if time healed wounds, we'd all be healed because time's doing nothing but going by. Time has gone by, and, and your life's still falling apart. Some of us believe the lie, but, but yeah, it's your, your life still looks like this bag, broken and undone and in pieces and spilled out, and you've been able to survive. You've been able to put on a face you, you've been able to pretend you're okay, and maybe even you, you think that you're healed, and you say, well, I'm, I'm healed, but the fact is is you've just gotten really good at, at this being normal. <laughs> and the fact is is that you have actually seen this bag split open longer than you've seen it whole, and so this actually looks like it's supposed to be this way because I'm using it like this. And so it just looks normal to you, and some of us have, have dealt with the hurt and, and, and kind of deadened it enough in our lives where the hurt in your life, it just is like a, it's just normal. I'm supposed to feel this way. This is the way I'm always going to be. I'm just going to get used to it. And you put on a face, you try to do the best you can, but on the inside, you're secretly knowing that life is going on around you and you're stuck and hurt. And what used to look like a life is now scattered on the floor of your heart. You know that time doesn't heal wounds. But what we do during that time, that's what heals wounds. I asked a question a minute ago, how do you know when I'm healed? When does this get healed. It happens when I give it to God, I face it, and I spend enough time with it, and get my hands dirty enough, and I do something about it. And it's hard to do. It it really is, because what what I want to do is say, God, you take care of that. I'm hurting so bad. And I'm telling you, hurt is like this, it's like this feeling inside of you. You just want to explode, I don't want to deal with that. But God says, I want you to come over here and face it, and I want to do it together. And, and we do sometimes, and, 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 and we're looking at it, and we, we, don't know what to, we don't know where to start with this. But God says, I just want you to take one scoop at a time. I want you to deal with it and look at it. And here's somebody that left you in your life, and you, you don't want to look at this because it hurts. But God's right there with you, and you put it in your hands, and it feels bad. It gets your hands dirty. I was so much better off over there pretending because at least I was clean And God's saying, I want you to help me put this back together, and I'm right here with you. And so you take your hands and you deal with it, and you cry tears, and it hurts, and it's painful, but you're bold and you're courageous because you know you've got a God whose strength doesn't end with you. And you take it one scoop at a time, and you begin to put it back in. And the thing about it is you put it in, and sometimes at first it doesn't even feel like you're doing anything. Because some still falling out as you do it and you take another scoop and it's hard and it's painful and it doesn't feel good. It doesn't smell good at times. I mean, there's there's things in your life that are hurting you right now and to deal with them means your hands get dirty. And God's saying, I'm with you. And scoop by scoop, you're trying to put all this back in. And it's hard and it's painful and it doesn't even make sense. Why am I even doing this, God? You could just do it for me, Lord. If you really love me, you could do it for me. And all the while, he's right here with you, walking right beside you. And you try and you try and you don't even feel like you're making a dent. But every night you lay your head down and you're dirty and you're tired of looking at the pain and God saying, I am still here. And you believe it. Nothing around you may even say you're healing. But you say it. You declare this word. I know you have plans for me. There are plans to prosper me. There are plans to give me a hope and a future. And I know there's a life for me on the other side of this. And you begin to stuff this back in. And you know what happens eventually? Eventually there will come a time where God will kind of shift the pain around. And you don't know how he's doing. You don't know what he's doing. And even that hurts. And then you realize that what God's doing is he's shifting it all around to make it easier to deal with. And he just shifts the bag around. And now when you take scoops, it's a little easier. <laughs> and you're like, thank you, God. <laughs> still dirty, still painful, you still got a little ways to go, but things have shifted. I don't know what that's going to look like in your life, but that's what God will do for you. And you'll begin to shove it back in there, and all the while he's showing you things and you're seeking him. And at this point, you're like, God, I'm so glad I'm doing this. It hurts, but I can breathe. <laughs> I'm so glad I'm here. I wouldn't go back for anything. And another scoop, and your hands are dirty, and you somehow, it's a weird, but you learn to appreciate the stains <laughs> because you're walking with it, through it with God. And, and again and again, you're scooping it up, and you're putting it in there, and God's with you the whole time. And, and you look back, and you're like, I'm still here. I don't know how I did all that. I don't know how I faced this, and I'm still here. Only God could have done that for me. And it's dirty and before long you've you've got it in there now it's interesting this bag it's got a big slit in it and I've put a lot of the dirt back in there I could tape this up and I could carry it out to the garden or to the flower bed and I could use it and I could tape this up I could sew it if I knew what I was doing Uh, or or I I could do something else with it right and this bag would be useful it would be whole it would hold this stuff but it wouldn't look the same (laughs) healthy people that have healed have scars they do But the difference in a healed person versus a a non-healed person when it it comes to scars is what happens when you look at the scar. Somebody that that looks at the pain of their life and they look at the scar and all the emotions flood back in every time you see it. All the pain floods back in, almost like it happened yesterday in in some, some cases. That's how you know you're not healed yet. Maybe you've gone a little stretch where you've healed, but there's still pain that floods back in you and it just grips you like it just happened keep keep going, don't give up on God, keep going, you're not quite there yet. But a completely healed person, they, they look at a scar, and it, it just represents something that happened in their past, a very significant something. But instead of it being filled with pain and emotion, it just represents something significant that God brought them from. And they learn to appreciate it. It's so weird, and only God can do it. But that's the difference between somebody who's healed and somebody who's still on that journey. And it's interesting because if you look at uh, this, this table, there's, there's still some dirt laying on here. I didn't get it all in there. And, and, and the reason is, is because there are people in your life that aren't going into the next season. You thought they would. There are plans that you thought you were going to have that they're not going into the next season because during that healing, God removed that from your life so he could take you to a different place. Because guess what? You can't always choose for everybody around you. They hurt you. People you thought wouldn't leave, sometimes they leave. People you thought would never do things to you, they do it. And a lot of times, people are the source of our hurt. And so there, there are people that aren't going with you, and that's okay. It doesn't mean that you have to be subject to that anymore. But you're healed. You're, you're, you're moving on. And the pain and the scar that you have, it doesn't dictate and it doesn't control your present emotionally. You have something much deeper. You have some, in this journey you've been on with God, it has become something great. And that's when you realize that God wants to take the broken places in your life and heal you and make something beautiful out of you that you never thought would be. That's when you realize he was using your pain for something greater. And that's when God uses your pain to mature you. He uses your pain to mature you. That's the last thing God does with, with your pain. He didn't cause the pain. But he will use your pain to make something beautiful in your life if you'll let him. He really will. Now, this, this soil can be used for great things, but it's kind of useless if it's right here all over, the, all over the stage. But when it's packed up in here, you can take it somewhere, and you can do something great with it. And, and God wants to take your life and use it and, and do something like this with it. Now, the same soil that was all over the floor and all over everywhere that spilled out, useless, God did something with that, and it's the same soil that was used to grow something beautiful like this. We don't see this whenever we're slit wide open and the pain of our life is all over the floor. We don't see this. But God will take every bit of it, if you'll let him, and he will use it to grow something beautiful in you once you get it back in here and he seals you up. It's a painful, painful process. But it is so much better than being stuck in an endless cycle of pain that goes nowhere in life. God wants to take you and make you beautiful. He wants to take the same thing that you thought would do you in. that The same pain you thought you were never going to get through. The same pain that you thought was going to destroy you. God says, I want to take it and I want to use it for your good. That the same pain you thought you were going to be, you, 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 were, you were just, you were undone over. It was going to do you in. God's saying, I want to take that and I want to show you just how beautiful I can make you. Get on the journey with me. When you allow God to pick up the pieces of your pain, he will use it for new growth. The same pain pain that was on the floor was the same pain that God used to grow this. In fact, I love how the Bible says it in James chapter 1. Can we read it together? I'm ending here. He's talking to the church. He's, dear brothers, dear sisters, people, your life, if it's full of difficulties and temptations, then be happy. We just tell him, shut up, right? We don't want to hear that. That's stupid. It's the stupidest thing we've ever heard. He's saying, no, listen, be happy for when the way is rough, your patience has a chance to grow. So let it grow. Don't try to squirm out of your problems because when your patience is finally in full bloom, then you'll be ready for anything. Strong in character. You'll be full and complete. It's hard. We'd rather stay over here and we'd rather look at it and say, God, you do it. I'll wake up tomorrow and Lord, you'll, you'll do it. And we come back and it's not done. And we don't realize that God actually wants us to walk over here and get in our pain. My hands are disgusting right now. But it's, it's because I went through the process that God helped me and scooped this stuff up and put it back in the back. God wants to walk you through the pain in order to get you to this beautiful thing called life that he promised you. And it's the healed places in your life. Those are the spots that God makes the most beautiful things grow. He wants to take your mess. He wants to take your hurt. Whatever that looks like, scattered out wherever. You you put it into your context. He wants to take that, your mess and your hurt, and he wants to turn it into something beautiful. Maybe this is my plant. Maybe yours looks different. I don't know. But whatever it is, it's beautiful, and it'll be unique only for you. And God wants to do that for you. I wonder how many of you are are ready right now just to say, God, I want to start this process. Some of you have huge hurts. In your life, and this little example with the little slit in the, in the in the bag of soil, it doesn't even do justice compared to the stuff that you've been through, the stuff that you carry around. And maybe you you, it's so big you can't even begin to describe it. Or, or maybe you have a smaller hurt, but it's still painful, and, and, and maybe it's small enough to where it doesn't, you don't think about it every day, but when you do think about it, it hurts and it controls certain areas of your life. But you've been able to kind of navigate through that because it doesn't control the whole picture. And so we've kind of settled in like Elijah at the brook. I'm being provided for, I'm able to function, and I'm good. See, God doesn't want to heal you 92% of the way. 92% doesn't make something like this grow. God wants to do it complete and full. The verse said, when you're complete and full, you'll be mature and not lacking anything. God God wants to take that 8% you still have and he wants to turn you into something beautiful. He's not into saying 92% is good enough for me, feel 8% pain. No, God says, I want you to take every bit of it, and I want you to bring it to me. I love you. I don't want there to be one thing in your life, not one half of a percent of anything that you don't bring to me, and I don't bring life into. So whether your hurt's big, or whether your hurt is seemingly small, would you be willing to let God in today? Would you be willing to give him that hurt? Would you be willing to let him lead you? Would you be willing to have faith because that's what it takes, walking up to something like this and, and, and grappling with the pain. Would you be willing to have faith that God does actually have another part of this on the other side that he wants to show you? Hey, he's leading you to something. Would you be willing to do that? Can we stand together? We're going to have some people down here to pray for you if you want prayer today. I don't know how many of you are, are willing to say, I need prayer. I have hurt in my life, but I can tell you this. God doesn't want you to walk out of this room before you give it to him. It doesn't mean you're, you don't feel pain anymore. The first step is there's just a knowledge that I need to bring this to God. And that's the start. That's the journey. That's what starts the journey, and you're not healed there. <laughs> but you can start that right now. You can say, God, I'm coming to you. I want to get on the path that leads to healing. I don't know what that looks like for you. I know it's painful. That's what I know. I know you end up with hands that look like this. <laughs> I, I know it's hard. It's difficult. I don't know how you, you get all your life back together and you start to put pieces together. And at first, it just doesn't even make sense. But you can start that path today, having faith, knowing that God is going to bring you to a desired outcome that far beats anything you can ever imagine, by far. Would you be willing to do that today? You, we call this an altar down here. It's that just, that's just a, a place where you lower yourself and raise God up. You can make an altar right where you're at. And I'd be, I wonder if you'd be bold enough to do that today. Some of you in the room, you, you're here today and you're saying, God, God I want to give you my life. I want to start this with you. I've never done that. Or maybe it's been a long time since I've actually said yes to you, God. And I want to bring my life back to you today. You can do that today too. In the same path of healing, God extends to you. So as I pray, this altar is open. Our prayer team is here if you want some, some people to pray for you. But I'm going to pray. And I, I wonder if you'd be bold enough to pray with me and agree with me. Can we do that together? Lots of options available for you today. Please take advantage of them. God, we thank you for your life that you gave for us. We start by saying, thank you, Jesus, because without that, none of this healing we even talked about would be possible. But Lord, your word says that when your blood was spilled, you redefined our future, not only on this earth, but you redefined our our eternal future in heaven. So we give you thanks for that, Lord until we get there, there is this thing called while we're still on this earth that we still have to navigate and every one of us in here would attest that there is pain involved in that. Your word says that you didn't leave us as orphans, you didn't leave us with nothing but you left us with you, the Holy Spirit to help guide us through this and heal us. And everything we've talked about today, Father, I I know there's some people in the room right now who are dealing with hurt. I know there is. And Lord, they're hearing your voice right now. Church, you're not hearing Pastor Ryan talk. That, what you feel inside of you right now, that's the Holy Spirit talking to you. That's God. And he's saying, reach out to me. I'm ready to take you in. That's a decision you can make right now. So just in your own heart, yes, Jesus, I'm here. I, I want to lay myself down at your feet. I want to lay my hurt down at your feet. I'm tired of holding it. <laughs> I've been able to fake it. I've been able to walk in it, in it of myself, and it's, it's getting ready to kill me. There's days I don't know how I'm going to make it. Lord, and I, I don't want to do it myself anymore. I give it to you. Then there's the, there's the, the 92 percenters of us in the room who have kind of healed 92 percent and we're holding on to the eight. But it still hurts. It's still there. And every now and again, it cycles around and it does us in. So for all of us 92 percenters in the room, I wonder if you'd be bold enough to say, here's the 8 percent, God. I don't know what's going to happen, but God, I, I know I want to be complete. I want to be in full bloom, not a dormant plant that never has any blooms on it. I, I want my life to be full and complete. I want to be free from this small little chain called pain that's, that's tying me down. So I, I give it to you in the name of Jesus. Lord, I, I ask right now that you would surround every person that's saying yes to you in that way, Lord, with people that could come around them and lift them up. Lord, because the, 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 the process and the path is painful. It hurts. And there's days where they don't feel like they're going to be able to make it, Father. I pray you hold them up and strengthen them with godly people around them, Father, that will hold them up when they fall, Lord, people that will pick them up, Lord, that can extend grace and mercy, that can encourage them in your word, Lord, bring them in, awaken your church, dispatch your angels, Lord, that they may be full and complete, and even though the pain is is deafening to their ears and, 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 and heavy to their soul, Lord, let them be Be encouraged and bold with your word that says, I know that you're still with me and you still care. I pray for truth, Father. And I just dismiss the lie in the name of Jesus that time will do it. In Jesus' name, let us say yes to him today. For all those in the room that want to say yes to him, maybe for the first time or for the first time in a long time, would you pray this prayer with me? God, I need you. I can't do this without you. I can't live without you, Father. And before I even talk about my temporal problems while I'm here on this earth, I need to address an eternal problem. And that is where I'm going to spend my eternity. I know you died for me. I know you sent Jesus and he lived a perfect life. I'm not perfect. Heaven demands perfection, but you loved me so much that you came to die for me in my place. You lived a perfect life. You sacrificed yourself for me. And I know you really died. I know you really rose from the grave and you extend grace and mercy through Jesus to me, and I accept him as my way. There's nothing good I can do because I'm not perfect. There's nothing good that I can do that would be worthy of a perfect God. So I accept Jesus. And in doing so, God, I accept him and invite him into my life to heal me. To heal my spirit, God, but to heal my life and all the pain that I have. Maybe I've been... brought it on myself or it's been done to me. I invite him into my life in Jesus' name. I don't know how this is going to end. I don't know what the path looks like in this whole journey called Christianity, following Christ. But I I know that I love you. I know I want to try to love you more. I want to figure out what that means, but I know you love me. I aim my heart at you every day and just ask that you help me. Let me know enough to change the things that I need to change. And I just trust that to you. I don't try to be anything, but only what you want me to be. And I trust that you love me enough to show me as I aim myself at you. I want to be quick to listen and quick to obey. And it's in Jesus' precious name we pray all this, and we thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. Can we say amen together? Amen.